and I suppose we maybe we have a slightly uh, different way of viewing what the organ is for me. I'm like, I just think it's such a wonderful instrument and I want people to be able to experience it. And so demystifying, you know, the organ, what does a recitalist actually do? You know, yeah. you tell what, what goes on behind the scenes. Today I'm talking to Rebecca Okpoti, who calls herself the girly organist. Rebecca, it's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom. Yes. Nice to meet you too, Petra. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> it's so um, wonderful. What is the instrument you have there behind you? Oh, so I'm very fortunate in my office here. I have a harpsichord and a Steinway piano over, over oh, on the other side. Amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and do you play the harpsichord? Um, well, no, not really. But oh. <laughs> obviously I play quite a lot of early music playing the organ. So yeah. um, it's good to be able to try it on different instruments, you know? Yeah, and um, yeah, because uh, this is what I'm thinking. Um, isn't it that the harpsichord and the organ is the same, or, or you you play it almost the same way? Well, there's a lot of continuo playing and accompanying and things like that. So there's lots of similarities, but I'm not claiming to be a harpsichordist at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Rebecca, I, I discovered you on Instagram and you are um, you, you are known as the girly um, organist on, on Instagram. What what made you think of, of doing that? You know, going that sort of that that marketing idea. Yeah, so I felt like um, you know, there's a big sort of campaign I don't know if you've heard of the Society of Women Organists and in some ways um, the organ world as far as we're concerned in the UK is maybe is behind uh, other parts of the world so you know Europe and South America and America etc are sort of uh, still um, quite far behind as far as uh, how many women organists there are and so the Society of Women Organists um, are doing a great job uh, cataloguing lots of female composers' works and, uh, you know, promoting women organists. And they came up with this hashtag um, along with Anna Lapwood, uh, who's a great organist. And um, it was uh, play like a girl, hashtag play like a girl. And I think it was, uh, it's come from, you know, being a female organist and maybe in your lessons perhaps your tutors told you to oh you know play it like a boy and so it was kind of a very reactive um stance to say well I can play it like a girl um but for me I thought you know I'm quite a girly girl really and it just didn't resonate with me in perhaps the same way as it was intended to because um, if you then look, or for me, I looked at the demographic perhaps of organists and, you know, that image, like you said, that marketing, that branding that they're presenting. And I thought, but I don't look like them. You know, I wear pink, I wear flowers in yeah. my hair. I like makeup, I like sparkly shoes. <laughs> and 
um, you know, there's lots of sort of women in the music industry finding their their voice, as it were. Um, but it's all about, you know, very androgynous dressing, perhaps, or very masculine um, dressing in lots of ways that we're seeing, or perhaps it's over-sexualized in other areas. Um, and I just thought, you know, there's, there's lots of other girly girls that perhaps never thought about playing the organ because the girls that they're seeing are oh, yeah. masculine in the way that they dress and present themselves. So it wasn't necessarily, um, it's not a criticism of that because it has its place. It's more, I thought, you know, uh, I have an organ scholar and, you know, she wears sparkly shoes too. And I can, you know, it's what about everybody else? It's okay to be female. It's okay to wear a flowery dress. It's okay to wear flowers in your hair and play the organ. You know, yeah. why does you have to wear a pantsuit even if you're female to wear, to play the organ? Because that just didn't. Um, so that's why it's the girly organist. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's definitely, uh, I can see also in your videos that you bring out your personality really you know it's it's although you say you know it's like this feminine idea of you playing the organ but I do think you have a very sort of your own style and your own way of doing it which I find really interesting yeah so I mean I suppose I'm, I'm from the north of England which a lot of organists again um are maybe from down south so I think mm -hmm. that that's a little bit easier because you know there's maybe more private schools that have organ lessons so it's maybe a little bit more in people's uh, awareness however in the north I'm I'm yet to meet another female organist in the north really you know, I haven't met in person any that are still sort of living up here um so I think that kind of played into a into it a little bit and I suppose we maybe we have a slightly uh different way of viewing what the organ is for me I'm like I just think it's such a wonderful instrument and I want people to be able to experience it and so demystifying you know the organ what does a recitalist actually do you know yeah. you tell what what goes on behind the scenes what do you mean you and it went wrong. What does that actually look like? Um, this is all of the books on a Sunday morning that I have to use. Did you know that? You know, you just maybe if you're in the congregation, you turn up and you have a pew sheet and it's it's all very concise. But for the organist, you know, you might have 10 different books and you're using one page out of all of them. So I suppose it's this idea that you don't have to just go to Oxford and Cambridge uh, to be an organist. You know, like there's value in playing the organ as an instrument without that sort of, it doesn't have to be linked to a lifelong academic achievement or lifelong path. You know, you can uh, go and study something completely different at any anywhere else, but still play the organ and have access to organs because, you know, have so many of them um, and they need playing really. So it's just to encourage people um, you know, go and ask your organist um, if you can have a go, you know, because more often than not, they will say yes. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's, it, is a, a it is an instrument that, I mean, I myself would never have even dared, you know, to go into a church and, and try and play or, or just 
but it is a very interesting instrument. And um, and I've also spoken to an organist before, and and we were talking about this that, that it's also not something that um, it's it, the the organists themselves are not always visible in a in a concert you know and and i think we hear the sound but there's nothing there's no visuals then when we when we have to look at you you know when we could be looking at you no absolutely and you know i mean there's some some recitals where they do have a big screen etc but i mm. uh, able to uh, to watch and be able to see a little bit more up close but um i also feel like organs are often in restricted places so you know you might walk into a church but perhaps the organ loft might be a, a closed door it's locked it's upstairs you don't have access maybe you have to go through a vestry to get to it you know the the access to them is can be so that um you know you might not feel confident enough if you're just having a look around you know or the organ could be there and you can see the console but it'll all be locked and i mean some of it's with with good reason but yeah. it, it, it is the case of how do you know how are we opening up the field effectively to two people you know if if there's a an, an organ or a piano put into the airport people will go and play it because it's right yeah. in front of walk up there's no hidden locked doors, secret, you know, staircases to go up. It's just there. And even in a church, you know, the piano will just be there. It's accessible. Um, so I think access as far as it's quite hidden. So it's, you know, there's people that I've in the in one of the churches that I play for that have been there 40 years and they've they've never, you know, gone gone behind of the organ um, to have a look mm. because they're not allowed in there, you know, I'm not part of the church team. And you kind of think, well. Come and have a look. You know, you should know yeah. part of uh, your town. You should know um, how to get to the instrument at least. Um, so. yeah, because this is some uh, something that I also heard is that you know it was an organist mum who was playing, and he had to go with when she practiced, and this is how he got into uh, being interested in playing, or somebody else. Uh, you know, said that it was somebody they knew that played, and this is how they got then to to get to know the instrument. But wouldn't it be wonderful if it it would be they would be access so that anybody who loves the sound of the organ can actually go and have a look, you know, at at what the organ looks like. Exactly, and I think you know, like I had a, a recital this this week at Leeds and I just put on my stories um you know I'm playing at Leeds come and have a look and, and a little you know view round of the organ and six people came because of that really? and you, well it doesn't that's not very many and on the one hand no it's not but that's an extra six people that wouldn't yeah. have and I was you know able to chat to them which is so fun and show them the organ a little bit and you know they'll they're more likely to come again because they were invited and I think you know perhaps in other other concerts people maybe seek them out you know they seek out to go and see a certain musician however the organ world is still in many ways quite uh, closed as far as people don't know what happens at an organ recital you know yeah. so no good just saying oh come to the organ recital because they're like well, what's that how long is it what happens where do I sit is the 
what's the protocols you know so I think we're not in a position necessarily where we can um be so fussy and you know like really highbrow um in the everyday situation because I think people are so far removed from the instruments that actually saying you know yes you can come into the church and you can sit anywhere there isn't any you know pews you can't sit on or if you want to walk around that's also okay and just those sort of things that if you went to a concert hall perhaps you know people um, um, would feel a little bit more comfortable whereas because organs are often and you know regular recitals are often in uh, your local churches people can associate it with a service and they might think well I'm not going to a service because I'm not religious and unless we sort of do something to correct that and say no this is what happens in organ recital you know it's not a church service it's just great music on a great instrument um, and sort of open that up for them a little bit then you know how how you know why why aren't we doing that I think everyone should be yeah advertising the organ uh, recitals with snippets of what they're going to be playing mm. and what the protocols are because they just don't know you know it's not yeah, yeah. and and this is my, well I I uh, this was my impression uh, the whole time is that you know organ and church and you go to the service and and this is where you hear the organ you know and um uh, and, and I, I didn't even realize that some concert halls have organs and until I came to live in, in Vienna, you know. So um, so it is it is something that I think should, like you say, you know, should be people should be made aware that you can actually go to the church without going to the service, but just hear the, the recital. Mm-hmm. But now, how did where did your interest start in the in the organ? Oh, so I um I, I wanted to play when I was little. I wanted to play the cello and the flute, but I ended up playing the violin and piano instead because that's what my mum wanted me to play. So I learned the learned the piano, and then I went to Cheatham School of Music um, to study as a pianist at Specialist Music School, and from there I went on to the Royal Northern College of Music. And I suppose the really crazy part is I'd always attended, I had attended church as as a child, but I'd never been asked by the organist if I wanted to play the organ. And it was quite the opposite. You know, they'd they'd written a note on to say, if you're not the organist, you're not allowed to touch the organ. (laughs) So I kind of knew the sound. I'd always, you know, liked the sound of the organ, Um, but I never had an opportunity to play it. Um, my grandfather was actually an organist, oh. once, um, but he died before, you know, I'd, I'd sort of uh, got old enough to show any interest, really. And then my other granddad uh, was a saxophonist. So there's definitely music in the family um, on, on both sides. And it kind of skipped, skipped my parents, but they made, made us um, all learn instruments. And it was actually, uh, I got a contract for playing funerals. And I turned turned up to this church uh, with my list of hymns and my book. And I was like, right, I'm going to play this. And they went, oh, no, it's on the organ. It's not. (laughs) And I was like, I don't even know how to turn that on. (laughs) So amazing how you. Yeah, I know it was pretty dire, I have to say. 
um, poor family. I mean, we got through okay, but obviously I had no idea about registration or sounds. And when I'd been to music college and, you know, we'd had a go playing our block, Prelude of Fugues on a harpsichord, but never on an organ, which looking back seems a bit strange because they had so many, but it just wasn't something that was, you know, the separate instrument it had its own school. And, you know, if you're a pianist, you're a pianist. You're an organist you're an organist and yeah. the two cross and so yeah so it was quite by accident and then I just kind of got the bug and um I then applied for a job at a church which again I thought was primarily piano based and then I turned up to the interview and it was like a full ARCO, which are the main sort of organ exam board style examination <laughs> with, you know, choir, conducting and accompanying sight reading, psalms, score reading, all of these different elements, which as a pianist, you know, you maybe do transposition and improvisation, but the other things aren't really relevant, you know, certainly not playing them on a different, different instrument. So I managed to cobble my way through um, through that and then it was you know I got the job and so I spent the the, the first chunk of time really learning about um, the Anglican it was an Anglican church learning about Ang- Anglican choral music because I didn't grow up in the Anglican tradition um, and conducting because again that wasn't something that I'd really done and trying to play the organ I had a great um, mentor through that Andrew Dean who's a excellent organist but he mentored me through the whole process and job and then um uh during lockdown I'd been pre well just before lockdown uh, and the pandemic I'd been going to church to practice on the organ so I'd been going two or three times a week but it was really difficult because obviously being able to play the piano as a classical pianist but then playing the organ as a beginner in what was a public space, you know, there's oh, other yeah. going on, people are coming over to you then sort of, you know, commenting going, oh, that wasn't very good. Oh, what, what do you mean you can't do that? Oh, that was terrible, you know. So I just kind of, it was really, I thought, I've got to do something about this because I want to play the organ. I love the sounds and I like composing, using the sounds. Um, but I can't practice, I can't do this in public because it's not something that um, I need to, people don't need to be commenting, you know? I thought it's not yeah. good, uh, it's not good or necessary. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I got an organ for home uh, at the start of 2020 and then started serious organ lessons um, and practice. So that was kind of how I spent my my pandemic time really was properly and then it just just went from there but I had to be able to do it at at home um in private you know um not something that I think maybe because I've come to it quite late you know when I was sort of 12 years old or anything um I think maybe that's why I'm perhaps more sympathetic to other people having a go and learning because lots of people do play the piano so I think they have the baseline skills to be able to translate that onto the organ. It's just they need to know that they can have access. 
But it's amazing that you that you um, you said then it's it's been two years then that you've been really into playing and and amazing what you've achieved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I mean the organ, it's not just about the notes that you play. Uh, it's a, a, your feet also. You have to do yeah. You know, so how do you manage that? I mean, was that easy for you to to get used to or to learn? That yeah, so I think that has, I mean, even now, um, and it's seems a great thing because I, it's not a complaint at all, but I'm, I'm very conscious that my feet slow me down uh. because it notes are on the score and I'm like, yeah, I can play that, but it's reprogramming. You know, when you're, you're a pianist, your left hand, normally, you've, you know, fingers three, four and five, play the lowest note. So it's reprogramming your thinking to now your feet are playing the lowest notes and your left hand entirely is playing what would effectively be the tenor part, so the high male voice parts um, in singing. So I'm sort of really super conscious of that and it takes me a lot of time to learn those parts. Um, so, you know, I think when you, know, you see an Instagram clip and it's like, oh, it's all great. <laughs> but there's a lot of slog um, that goes in because obviously, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight. So um, there's some things that it's interesting, you know, when I talk to people that have played the organ, maybe their whole whole lives or they've been playing, you know, 30, 40 years and they, they would complain about some manual parts, some keyboard parts being tricky. And I'm like, oh, that's easy. But <laughs> background you know so I'm like playing complicated manual parts is fine <laughs> playing complicated or even simple straightforward pedal parts is is still my sticking point um really and you know if you get a bit nervous that's always the part that's gonna I know that always that's the bit that's probably gonna go wrong so <laughs> I'm so glad, but I'm so glad to, it sounds strange, but I'm so glad to hear that because I think it's so important that people hear that, you know, that, that this honesty about saying, but this is hard. This is, you know, it's not as easy. And the fact that you've, you've jumped from pianist, being pianist into, to an, an organ. And I, I don't think it is, um, you know, I mean, I think it is a complicated instrument if you, if you're not used to playing it and if you're not really you know for years being used to playing that way and like you say it's a mind change that you have to do no absolutely and i think mm -hmm. there's all sorts of you know when you when you turn up to a, a piano uh, concert or recital you know the piano is there you can play it for a few minutes and you know everything you need to know about the instrument mm -hmm. Whereas an organ, um, you know, I was just doing some vlogging this week. It'll probably uh, come out later next week, maybe. And, you know, like you have to be there four, five hours early to choose your your sounds, basically. Mm -hmm. You have to be there and every organ's different. Every layout of organ, the keyboards are in different orders. And, you know, so all of that sort of thing. Um, that takes time. It takes time to learn. It takes time to practice because it's it's different being able to do it at home when you're just doing it for your own practice versus, oh my goodness, I have a concert in three hours and this has to be perfect. Um, you know, for all your dynamic variations and making things sure things that need to be linked together are, etc. So that's taken a while. 
um, to get right. And sometimes I still still, still don't get it right. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> but now, so did you have to now um, play less piano? I mean, do you have to, because like you say, there's a, there's a, a bit of a mind switch when you play organ and when you play piano. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest here. So for me, I have a strange relationship with the piano. Um, I like the technical skill, but I've never been um, a massive fan of the sound of a piano, which sounds crazy seeing as I went to specialist music college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a little um, specific thing specific example take a bark fugue now they would always talk about voicing the fugue which obviously i know it means you know you do it with phrasing and dynamics and all of these different elements of music voicing a fugue but for me i'm like fundamentally it still sounds like a piano mm. you know the, the sound range and tones that you're listening to the timbre the texture everything fundamentally is still a piano it's still one voice you're just articulating it in slightly different ways so as soon as I then so that never made much sense to me musically because I would still be thinking but this is it's flat with sort of inflections in it it's not you know I literally have three or four different keyboards that have separate sounds like on an organ so you're talking about voicing and you are referring to actual different voices, actual different sounds, um, playing the same melody, as it were. Um, that makes sense musically in my mind. So in some ways, I think I was probably always meant to be an organist, really, because mm. I see sound. So I hardly play the piano now um, as far as I use, I use the piano um you know for note bashing mm. practicing sight reading or you know particular technical skills exercises things like that for the fingers because um you know i feel like playing weighted keys exercises and scales on on the piano is, is often better than uh, on an organ because the action's different so i think you get a, a better technical you know it's a better way to keep up your technical skill on a piano um, but as far as the actual playing of piano music, don't play very much anymore. Really? That's so <laughs> interesting. But it, if it, I, it's for me now fascinating how you got to the organ. And it's true what you're saying, that you're supposed to play the organ. But it was just this route that you had to go to to get there. Yeah, yeah. And I I'm, think... I'm still just amazed at what you've achieved in two years, really. I really thought I really thought you 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 know this was something you studied and and you've been doing it for for many years. No. But do you, is your personality? Do you have this? Because I'm I'm thinking if you're saying well you you applied for this job and you assumed it was a piano, but then you discovered it was an organ. Um, but you must have some type of a uh, uh, daring um personality you know that you you just think okay i'm going to nail this <laughs> i think that um i 
have a few, I don't, they're not mottos as such, but I have a few things that I think really impact. I think number one, you know, if you're, if you, if you have the ability in your, you know, whole socioeconomic life to be able to do something that you really enjoy, that is a privilege. So do as much of it as you can while you can, because you don't know when that won't be possible anymore. But I think that's the first thing, you know, life's so short and yeah. to spend all of your time doing things you really dislike. So if you have the opportunity to do something you really enjoy, do it, you know, because it's, um, it's, it's just great. Do you know what I mean? Don't, don't yeah. spend, yeah. not spend your time doing something you don't like, then do mm -hmm. something which seems obvious, but I think we can get so caught up in the everyday, you can forget that. You know, you can forget what, what it is that you really want to do. And so I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, for me, I feel like one of the things that I took from my, you know, specialist music education, which again is a very privileged thing to be given, um, is that a mistake isn't personal failure. So just because you get something wrong doesn't mean that you're a terrible person. And I think often like in music, it can be, you know, oh, I had a bad piano lesson. I had a bad organ lesson this week. Therefore I'm a terrible person. My whole world's gonna implode. It's the end of the world. And actually it's not, you got it wrong. Pick yourself up, move on, just have another go. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not even a blip. It doesn't even register on the scale, really. So I think keeping that in mind. And, and then I would also say, you know, um, I applied for assistant organist at Leeds Cathedral in England. And, you know, I don't, I haven't gone the normal route of an organist at all. And I, I saw it and I thought, I'm going to go for that. Mm probably not going to get it you know yeah. maybe part of my job I'm used to a lot of rejection you know but it's not necessarily yeah. but I thought uh, if nothing else I will get to see what other people maybe my age maybe slightly older slightly younger I'll get to hear them and see what they are how are the, how they are playing and then I can match myself I can sort of find where yeah. I fit because actually, you know, in the piano world, I know where I fit because I was around lots of peers. But I thought in the organ world, I was like, I don't have that measure, especially doing it mainly over lockdown, to know, you know, relatively where I'm up to. And then I can make a plan of where I want to be or not be, you know, so make an informed decision. So I thought, I'm going to go for it. And they can only say no. No. <laughs> he said, there's only yeah. two answers yeah, there's only no. two answers yes or no <laughs> exactly. but my only obligation to myself is to try yeah work and you go and you do what you do and I didn't get the assistant that's gone to David Greeley who is amazing and um you know that's that's the right person but they gave me associate which I'm just like that's amazing, amazing. too yeah um, you know he's been doing this a lot longer he's you know tried season he's studied all over the place 
etc and so it's a privilege to be able to get to learn from him and watch what he does um and I think you know if I hadn't have applied and hit send then I'd still be I'd always wonder so I just yeah. think yeah. Get and then you know you know it's it's yeah. yeah but congratulations for doing that and congratulations for for achieving that you know um in this way but you were saying something that I find very interesting and that, that is um, when you did your training and it's a specialized school or, or college where you go to um, and, and, and specifically this thing where you say it's not the end of the world, it's not that you are, you know, when it, when it doesn't go right, it's not uh, that it's you or, you know, that it's just one of those things. But isn't it? Uh, sometimes the problem in, in an art education and, and in the arts that the, the pressure on the artists, not necessarily from the public, but, but from the peers, you know, that, that this comparison the whole time and this, this person achieved this and I haven't yet, um, you know, is it possible for me to even have a career, that type of thing. Did you have also or experience that as well? I think for me, it was always a case of what's my end goal, which is slightly, seems like, and on the one hand, in lots of fields, that would seem the obvious thing to say, but it, like you said, in, in arts, you know, it's kind of people that maybe win competitions. Oh, you won this yeah. competition or the pinnacle of success. But I think success looks like lots of different things. And actually, I don't want to do competitions. So I can't really compare myself to someone that spends all of their time doing that because that's yeah. not what I do. So I think it's, you know, what is it that you're after, really? What is it that you're... You know, how are you measuring your success? Because at the end of the day, you know, you're at music college, even there for such a short period of time. And you leave there, you graduate and then you go, right, what now? Yeah. You know, you're not sort of building up this idea of what what is your what now mm. with scales of this is the absolute ideal second place third place fourth place complete alternate view uh, over here if I did that um what is it you want to spend you know what do you want to spend your time doing and for me you know I did I left piano and there's quite a big gap between uh, leaving piano and uh, starting um the organ and I went into production because I was looking at my peers and I was thinking you know there's all these music colleges I went to Royal Northern College Music and I was like there's all these music colleges and they're bringing all of these pianists out every year but actually there's not enough jobs for us so I kind of thought I'm going to jump into music production because there's lots of money in that and I quite like the idea of radio so I thought, what do you have to do if you want to do the radio? You have to do sort of lots of sampling, recording. Um, so then I kind of went off and did lots of sound-based projects, sampling, recording, uh, other types of arts. What does collaboration mean? What is composition? 
you know, there's lots of people making money out of music, but it's not necessarily a, a direct route. So yeah. it's what is that um, what does that look like and which combination of elements are gonna make me, you know, yeah feel and I enjoy doing. Um, and so I think that's where it was stepping out of classical music into maybe popular considered popular music to then go back into you know the organ world's yeah. pretty heavy. um but I can I view it in a different way now mm. as um it is about sound and it's it's interesting you know even when I go to a concert and I'm watching a different organist perhaps set up their registrations I like to listen to each individual sound the organ makes and then set my combinations Whereas other organists have this from just years of doing it, they go, oh, well, those four go together and those four go together. And those two, if you have that one, you have to have that one. And so I don't view it like that because I go, well, I just because, you know, the music might say use this. If I don't like this, the tone of that particular stuff, I won't use it, which could be controversial. But I think I have to be enjoying the sound that's coming back. So listening to your own performance whilst you're playing it, it's, if it's not something that you're enjoying listening to, your audience won't either. Yeah. You know, so it was sort of considering all of those different elements and thinking, you know, piano, being a classical pianist is great, but is that what I want to do? Don't pursue it just because you're in an environment that says that is what success is, because you can't look around and think, well, that's not true. Yeah. Well, a girl who wears flowers in her hair uh, really can do what she wants. <laughs> well, that's possible. No, really. <laughs> that confidence, that because it is, you know, that's absolutely your personality. And um, I can see it just, you know, by talking to you that this is really you doing your own thing. And, and I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> And, and especially with it with the organ you know <laughs> it's of all the instruments that you that you're able to do that but now tell me um but still what are your wishes now for the future well i i, I organ sonata yeah. so been uh, published and I had a, a strange you know when you go to music college and through classical music there's composers and there's performers and I was always a performer and then you know I came out like I said and then I've gone back in and I'm like I can compose if I want to so mm -hmm. I thought I'm gonna go and um, so my first organ sonata is uh, being published and Lister's organ sonata wow but, congratulations uh, so that's really exciting. I have it here. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. The, oh, amazing. The, what colour do you want the, the book? And I was like, can I have purple, please? Never <laughs> <laughs> before. I was like, well, this is the first round. <laughs> amazing. So, like, this is, it's, it's a combination of kind of, uh, contemporary classical it uses sonata um, it's kind of EDM and EDM inspired so electronic dance music inspired so again it's you know composition but for for different audiences I had my first album came out uh, last year and that was 
all using the organ, but not a single organist bought it. And I'm like, that's great because, you know, that's loads of people that are completely not within the classical organ world that are now (laughs) the instrument. And pictures, you know, that people sending me pictures on Instagram of, oh, I went and talked to this organist. And I'm like, that's great. That's what you should be able to do. And they never thought to maybe go and ask um, the question. So I think that's, um, that's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So it's just a total different genre that it's not classical. It's more um, a combination. Because it has, it has elements of, you know, typical organ music. It has elements of, um, you know, the sonata form and its structure. Um, but uh, as far as what you're actually hearing, I think mm-hmm. as more of a, you know, it's easy lifting listening sometimes I feel like you know we might play a Bach prelude and fugue for example but it's a solid eight or nine minutes of a wall of massive sound mm-hmm. and someone's not used to listening to you know eight or nine minutes of an organ that's really hard you know when you think people are listening to um, a three minute two minute three minute track of pop music on the radio and you think of how much they're listening to and by that point they've had enough I think you know I'm trying to structure the compositions for the organ in the same way so that people are having a similar listening experience it's palatable it sounds it's it's tonality that they're used to hearing in pop or uh, EDM music Uh, but it's using the sound you know the organ is the instrument for organists to play so it's trying to sort of bring together those two two worlds and give give organist music that they can play for new audiences you know because I think there's lots of repertoire that is great it's really exciting organ music but if you've never heard an organ before it's quite hard to listen to if you're not from the organ world well I've I've read a very interesting article and uh, now that you're saying that is uh, about this uh, idea that we think everybody should love classical music, for example, and but but it's it's the same as with food. You know, you have to if you're not used to it, um, you have to listen short amounts of uh, uh, music at a time, and also, like you say, if, when it's this huge work and, and it's all these different uh, sounds then it, it's it's also overwhelming so it is you know simplifying it a little bit and then gradually um, introducing people to to the music and I think this is what we we don't realize that that you know that it's everybody can listen to it and everybody can appreciate it but it's just how it's been served basically you know yeah mm. I mean- ask um you'll probably see some of my instagram clips i often ask um you know people that are in attendance at recitals to walk around because there's again this idea of you know you go to an organ recital and you sit there and then you leave yeah think you know even in even in a church service you stand up you sit down you look around you know there's some sort of interaction so I always ask people, say, you know, walk around. Mm-hmm. And part of that is it becomes an active listening experience straight away. 
because people are then, you know, they become aware that the organ sounds different, you know, depending on how it's, how it's been built and the acoustics of the building. If they're stood perhaps in that high altar area, which would normally be restricted, it sounds completely different to the back of the church at the other uh, end. Of course, yeah, yeah. And giving people the freedom to be able to say, you're allowed to, to make that journey. If you want to literally come and stand behind me while I'm playing, as long as you're not, you know, like whispering in my ear and distracting me. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you get to do that. Yeah. How I hear it, you can do that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's had some really interesting sort of comments and responses for people because sometimes I think the assumption is in the organ world that people attending regular weekly recitals are lovers of organ music whereas the reality is you might have you know 30% of your audience that are that demographic but the rest might just be people that have walked in because they've heard the heard the music yeah oh it's raining let's just pop inside and and have a listen so it's keeping in mind, you know, that's very a different audience to someone that's paying maybe £40 for a ticket to a concert hall to listen to the complete works of Messiaen. Yeah. That's a different demographic of audience. So I think just being aware of who it is that's coming to listen or who it is that you'd like to come and listen. Yeah. You know, um, and then play accordingly, I think you know, that opens it up a little bit more again. Now, I think this is a brilliant idea uh, that you have and, and doing it that way. I would actually love that, you know, that I um, would be able to move. And like you say, hearing the difference in the different places in the in the building or in the church that you hear the, the sound, you know. Um, but now, um, Rebecca, this was so great to talk to you. Absolutely. I mean, really, your, your Instagram page and you, it's the same. You know, I can absolutely see your personality. And, and I'm so glad you do that. You know, that you're... You're really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great pleasure. But um, tell me just one last thing. Can you do a shout out for your favorite restaurant or coffee shop in the area? Oh, the Emporium in Clitheroe. Okay. And coffees, and they're really nice. <laughs> really okay. great. I will, I will put the link in the description for you. Okay. Do you go there frequently? Uh, we go sometimes for pizza at lunchtime. Oh, okay. Okay. That's a good idea. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> now, um, Enjoy your Steinway um, piano and, and, and the, the harpsichord behind you. Are you practicing now or what? What are you doing yeah. there? We're on, a, on a big project, uh, which will be coming out next year, uh, mm -hmm. but it's lots of practice. Um, so anyone that tells you that they have projects that aren't lots of work, they're just lying to yeah. you. Lots of practice. Mm -hmm. And I started... Um, on the 1st of July and it's running all the way through till next March so wow. mm. lots of note bashing going on between the piano and the harpsichord at the moment <laughs> okay and is it Steinway uh, uh, has Steinway got anything to do with that or is it just coincidence that yeah. it's 
it's coincidence. So the, I work at Liverpool Hope University and um, it's a Steinway school. So all of the rooms have Steinways. So want to come. we also have an organ scholarship uh, with lessons at Liverpool Metropolitan Cathedral. So if you're interested in coming to the UK to study, uh, we have a, a great Amazing. organ. But let me just put that link also in the description. If you can let me have it, then I'll put it in the description as well. Rebecca, have a lovely afternoon. Thank you so much. And I'll still be following you on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye.